Stuff Podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Wright, and welcome to The Long Read from Stuff. This episode is called Still Down the COVID Rabbit Hole. It was written by Stuff National Correspondent Charlie Mitchell, who joins me now. Hey, Charlie. Hey. Uh, You've been here before, Charlie, and this story is uh, sort of the culmination of something of a trilogy. Your last story that featured here was called Down the COVID Rabbit Hole, and it was our most popular episode so far. So uh, tell us uh, about the sequel. Yeah, so this was uh, very much an evolution of this informal series I've been doing on, uh, I guess, what you'd call COVID-19 misinformation. And this specifically focused on a certain group of people that they call themselves New Zealand Doctors Speak Out With Science, which is quite clumsy, but it's usually shortened to NZDSOS. Um, and, and these are mostly registered medical professionals who have... Uh, I guess what you'd say, a contrarian views, um, certainly among their profession, about how to approach COVID-19 and um, various issues around the pandemic. The group says there are 64 members who are registered medical professionals. Um, About 50 of them are identified. We know who they are. And most of those are GPs, general practitioners. So to put that in context, there was an open letter signed by, I think, more than 6,500 medical professionals supporting vaccination and public health measures in general. So we're talking about a very small uh, number of people here, Uh, but they've become very influential, particularly in these communities that are sort of devoted to COVID-19 misinformation and disinformation on platforms like Telegram and, and places like that that are sort of away from the, the, the polite parts of social media. Um, and, and they've really gathered quite a lot of influence there. Um, and they have some some fairly obscure and, and radical theories that have uh, gained a lot of currency in these places that are completely at odds with the rest of their profession. This story, again, is uh, something of a first-person story, so uh, listeners should think of you when they hear me reading it. Give us give us a sense of what it's like to fully engage with conspiracy theorists, basically like this. Yes, I've been doing this for kind of months now. I've been actively monitoring social media, particularly Telegram. I sort of go there every day and, and scroll the most active channels. And that's how the story came about, really. I would just see this group mentioned over and over and over again um, as, a, as a source of information. And I've I've talked to a lot of people like this in this sort of world um, over the last few months, and it really is quite um, difficult. It is kind of like you're speaking two different languages. Like it's it's just yeah, it, it can be quite bizarre. Um, you have to be really steeped in the uh, in the information ecosystem that they exist in, and obviously they think journalists are. Um, ethically compromised and agents of the state and and so you don't really get a great reception so you sort of have to push through that and yeah i i really think there's increasingly very little ground between um sort of the conventional view of of covid19 and some of these uh more extreme views that are tend to be based on misinformation yeah so 
I mean, most of us go through most of our lives not really confronting people who hold vastly different beliefs to us. How is it doing that for like a lengthy period? Is it depressing or tiring or, or what's it like? Yeah, I, I would definitely say it is exhausting um, just because there is such a barrier between between you and them that it, it, it's you sort of have to give up on the idea that you're going to convince them or persuade them of, of anything. You, you really just sort of have to uh, give them the opportunity to, to say what they're going to say and then just go and critically analyse it and, and think for yourself about it, I suppose. Um, it, it's getting harder, I would say, because the the rhetoric that you see in these groups is just getting more and more extreme. Like It's, it's very common nowadays to see them compare um, the unvaccinated people to you know, victims of of the Holocaust or of Joseph Stalin or, or Mao or Pol Pot or any of these sort of 20th century dictators. And you see um, comparisons of public health measures to apartheid. And, and that's very common nowadays. And it's very hard to, to talk to somebody when they see themselves as sort of oppressed in these historical terms. And so I don't really have a, a solution of how best to engage with someone like this. I mean, I get a lot of emails from people who have uh, know someone close to them who is who have become sort of ensconced in these communities, and and it really is sort of like losing someone. Like it's 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 almost as if they've become a completely different person. And so I don't really have a have a um, solution to how best to do it, other than just to note that it is happening. Um, and this is a a driving force in our in our um, society these days, and it's very hard to know what to do about it. All right, well, on that cheery note, here is me reading Charlie's story, still down the COVID rabbit hole. Many people were out and about on Saturday, October 16. Lots of them were being vaccinated, but a much smaller number were protesting against public health measures. These protests are becoming more frequent and tend to follow a pattern. Some attendees will make rousing speeches, and a smattering might be arrested. The protagonists will be flooded with praise in dusty corners of social media for resisting tyranny and standing against vaccines that have been safely administered to billions of people. Whatever you make of these protests, they're a portal into the lives of people who are rarely canvassed by mainstream media, but can hold positions of influence elsewhere. At a recent protest in Tauranga, a retired GP in Mount Maunganui named Alana Ratna told the assembled that Jacinda Ardern was guilty of crimes against humanity. In Nuremberg, the punishment for crimes against humanity involved the gallows, she said to loud cheers. We no longer have capital punishment in this country, but I suggest a good punishment would be a ball and chain around your ankle digging hard rock for the rest of your life. Later, on her Facebook page, Ratna went a step further, writing that Ardern is going to get her own lethal injection when the International Criminal Court sits for Nuremberg too. I've written about Ratna before, 
She circulated a rumour that the Japanese embassy had predicted the recent lockdown, which spread widely on Telegram, despite being plainly false. I didn't name her in a report at the time, but now that she's publicly advertised her views, there's less reason to protect her identity. Near the beginning of the pandemic, on her public Facebook page, Ratna had urged people to stay safe. At one point, she changed her profile picture to say she supported Director General of Health, Dr Ashley Bloomfield. Then, the rabbit hole. A steady uptick in the frequency of her posts. As the vaccines were rolled out, their content became more troubling. Crimes against humanity deserve the sentence of execution, she wrote in August. Jacinda, Chris, Ashley and the media had better beware. In a since-deleted post last month, she said all those involved in NZ would be prosecuted at Nuremberg too. The sentence will be death and I shall be cheering them on. Last week, she said Ardern would be arrested and charged with treason and murder and all those complicit will be tried and sentenced. Heads will roll. Ratna is a member of New Zealand Doctors Speak Out With Science, or NZDSOS, a group of doctors, dentists and other medical professionals who object to the COVID-19 response. The group has confounded the broader medical field, the overwhelming majority of whom support vaccination against COVID-19. An open letter from doctors supporting vaccination has more than 6,500 signatures. NZDSOS claims 64 doctors as members, around 50 of whom have been publicly identified. As one tongue-in-cheek website points out, there are more doctors named Sarah supporting vaccination than there are doctors who are members of NZDSOS. Focusing on this comically large imbalance risks missing the group's influence. While there aren't many doctors who fall into this category, there are some, which is enough. On Telegram, the proverbial back-alley dive bar for New Zealand's anti-vaccination groups, there are hundreds of posts in the last month referring to NZDSOS as a source for information and advice. Several of the group's members were cheered on at recent protests as they denounced the overwhelming majority of their profession in service of a movement that treats subject matter expertise as a fatal character flaw. By its mere existence, NZDSOS allows people with little regard for science to say there are doctors, proper ones, on their side. Never mind the many, many more who are not. You're supposed to listen to doctors, right? It doesn't matter that when the pandemic began, Many of the group's doctors were already outside the mainstream, working in integrative or holistic medicine. Only a handful work as GPs in clinics within the mainstream medical system, and none appear to actively work in hospitals as emergency doctors, where the sickest COVID-19 patients are likely to end up. Some are dentists, psychologists and cosmetic doctors who have no special insight 
into the dynamics of infectious disease. But at a critical time in this country's pandemic journey, when every vaccinated person counts, the role of doctors in fueling the infodemic deserves scrutiny. I asked Ratna about some of the statements she'd made, particularly those that invoke capital punishment and crimes against humanity. She said her lethal injection comment was a joke and that she didn't believe Ardern should be executed, but she did believe she should go to tough prison. Rutner's views, she says, represent understandable anger at Ardern. Jacinda is violating every single principle of the Nuremberg Code, and as such will one day be tried in the International Criminal Court, as will all those who are complicit, i.e. all the politicians and doctors and nurses and media who are involved and not standing up against her. Just to clarify all the Nuremberg references here, Ratner's earlier mention about gallows relates to the criminal trials held in the city after World War II. The Nuremberg Code applies to medical experiments. These standards came out of the trials as a result of inhumane Nazi experimentation. Many anti-vaxxers confuse this code for a legal document which will form the basis of criminal trials around COVID-19, or Nuremberg II. As it happens, the COVID vaccines have completed standard phase three clinical trials, the results of which were published in peer-reviewed medical journals. Participants in the Pfizer vaccine trials are monitored for years afterwards, which is common practice in clinical research. Ratner says she supports immunisation. Her children are immunised. But this vaccine, she says, was different. She tells me a teacher and a vaccinator were charged with murder in Cornwall after a child died, and the FDA classified the vaccine as novel gene therapy. Neither is true. A doctor in India was being tried for murder and was likely to hang after withholding ivermectin, she says. She's referring to the chief scientist at the World Health Organization who was sent a legal threat by an organization with no jurisdiction. The doctor has not been charged with any crime. I asked for sources and received none. Ratner told me I was a victim of mass delusion, a not very honest journalist who had resorted to creeping around Facebook. A few days after we spoke, and before this story was published, Ratna addressed another protest in Tauranga and mentioned me by name, telling the crowd I was about to write a very defamatory article about her and NZDSOS. I say, Charlie, we don't care, she said. Every time you write something, we get more and more people on our side. In our correspondence, She'd asked me not to identify her. It was a hell of a slog, but you've made it. You've bought your first home. Congratulations. Now what? If you're feeling nervous about doing DIY on your biggest investment yet... 
or you're struggling to think of ways to add value to your new home, then join me, Joe Davis, and me, Kylie Klein-Nixon, for First Rung Reno 101, a stuff-homed podcast about owning and doing up your own home, brought to you with support from Razine. Strap on your tool belt and find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you find good podcasts. My conversations with people who hold these beliefs, and there have been many, usually follow this pattern. A barrage of information, some of it true, some of it not, impenetrable to anyone not steeped in a highly specific information ecosystem with its own jargon and shorthand, often mixed in with personal insults. It makes sense. When you believe most of the world is conspiring to oppress not just you, but those you respect and admire, civility would feel unwarranted. Like many of my colleagues, I'd prefer to abstain from covering a tiny but extremely loud minority, rejecting public health measures during a pandemic, rebutting even the most absurd and outrageously unfounded claims involves repeating them, which risks them being mistaken as true, even when they're clearly not. When doing so, journalists have to proceed with caution. But it is undeniably strange to hear those views from a trained medical doctor. That is the power of NZDSOS and the online rabbit hole. The group's members are well-educated, upper-middle-class and almost exclusively Pākehā, defying common misconceptions about the kind of person who is most resistant to vaccination or prone to misinformation. When NZDSOS came to life in April, it was, in some ways, the spiritual cousin of another group, COVID Plan B. That group of contrarian academics, founded by University of Auckland epidemiologist Dr Simon Thornley, had already waned in influence, but remained a go-to voice for those disenchanted with the elite consensus on COVID-19. The group tried, with varying success, to distance itself from extremist views, and specifically disavowed conspiracy theories, even as its audience on Facebook increasingly embraced them. Plan B does not explicitly oppose the COVID-19 vaccines. Plan B still exists, but has little impact. It's been superseded by NZDSOS, and its content that better serves an audience more strongly opposed to vaccination against COVID-19. Thornley himself was an early member of NZDSOS and remains one. He is the only academic among the named members of the group and appears to take a semi-active role in its activities. He didn't respond to a request for comment for this article. He recently appeared as an NZDSOS member on Counterspin, an online talk show devoted to conspiracy theories. Not long afterwards, he delivered NZDSOS's oral submission to a parliamentary select committee on the extension to the COVID-19 Public Health Response Act. The submission conveyed Thornley's long-standing view that the impact of the pandemic had been overstated and the impact of the public health measures had been understated. It made only fleeting references to vaccines. 
He was polite and on message, which was in stark conflict with how NZDSOS acts online. Before continuing, here's what we know. The vaccines are remarkable. They significantly reduce the likelihood you will be hospitalised or die from COVID-19, a disease that has killed a lot of people, including some who didn't take it seriously. This isn't based on information from a Pfizer press release or a soundbite from a politician. It's painfully clear in real-world data in many countries, where unvaccinated people are disproportionately filling hospitals, including in New Zealand. High vaccination rates have allowed some countries, Denmark, Norway and Sweden to name a few, to return to near normality. Millions of New Zealanders, across all political stripes, faiths, ethnicities and class categories, have already been safely vaccinated. If they get a breakthrough infection, which is rare but does happen, they're much less likely to be symptomatic. Some of them hate the government, or the media, or both, but understand that getting vaccinated is not an ideological statement. Yes, a vaccinated person with COVID-19 can spread the virus, but they're significantly less likely to contract it in the first place. You cannot spread a virus to a vulnerable person if you don't have it. That means the more people that are vaccinated, the less virus there is in existence. This isn't politics or ideology, it's maths. Given this mounting evidence, NZDSOS is already swimming upstream in its case against COVID-19 vaccines. Many of its arguments collapse at the mere whisper of scrutiny. But it's worth understanding what the group is saying, because there are people who believe it, mistakenly thinking that because the group comprises doctors, there is merit to its arguments. On its official Telegram channel, which has more than 10,000 followers and is linked to on the group's website, the NZDSOS account has said, We are in a mass extinction event, and we are being censored and hunted, referring to vaccination. Around 61,000 people have seen the comment, according to Telegram's metrics. An article published on the group's website and authored by the NZDSOS Steering Committee claims the pandemic is ushering in a totalitarian society and refers to undeniable evidence that the COVID pandemic is in fact a planned criminal operation. It likens unvaccinated people to victims of 20th century dictators, such as Adolf Hitler, Joseph Stalin and Pol Pot. Behind every regime mentioned, the article says, investing in the death camps and gulags and perhaps now vaccines have been sociopathic banking and corporate interests, as immune to the suffering of others as their chosen front men and women. In a post responding to the vaccine mandate for healthcare workers, the group's Telegram account implied that US President John F. Kennedy 
was assassinated due to his belief in natural immunity, a conspiracy theory so obscure I can't find it referenced anywhere else. NZDSOS would set up dream circles for those affected by the mandate, it said in a since-deleted remark on its website. A full chronicling of these irrational and unscientific claims would blow up this article's word count even further. There was an image comparing social distancing to segregation, a post that called the notion that unvaccinated people can spread the virus to vaccinated people a highly sinister psyop designed to give the societal tick to medical apartheid. Germ theory, which has been accepted science for more than a century, is deemed fraudulent. It's rarely clear who is posting this content, or whether they reflect individual group members' views. At least one member was not aware the Telegram account existed, and distanced themselves from some of its posts, whilst another defended what had been posted there, whilst also saying they didn't pay close attention. The result of all this is a confusing internal logic. NZDSOS denounces what it calls a fear-based narrative, whilst also warning of mass extinction and apartheid. Its views are said to be based on science, but many of its posts are driven by raw emotion. Whilst one member presented it as a respectable group of evidence-driven doctors in front of MPs, The group's online posts promoted dream circles and germ theory denial. In light of these dynamics, figuring out how the group operates isn't easy. Its physical address is a post office box based in Nelson. An associated landline number, which I've rung many times and appears to be based in Motueka, has a full voicemail. A list of questions I sent to a generic email address was read, according to mail tracking software, but I didn't receive a response. I ended up gaining some insight through one of the group's most prominent members, Dr. Matt Shelton. Shelton has been something of a mystery. Until recently, he was a GP at a clinic in Plymouthton, north of Wellington. He's practiced integrative medicine and has a particular interest in diabetes prevention. Apart from his name appearing on a petition opposing water fluoridation, there is little public evidence of his beliefs. Early on in the pandemic, as cases of COVID-19 trickled across the border, Shelton was among a group of New Zealand doctors who signed a statement calling for an immediate lockdown. Like many of his medical colleagues, Shelton had been worried about COVID-19. In an interview with a British health YouTuber in May last year, Shelton praised New Zealand's response and questioned why the UK had been so slow to put restrictions in place. I'm not a conspiracy theorist, he said, but it does make you wonder. Shelton was worried about the pandemic's impact in countries with poor medical infrastructure. It makes you want to cry, really the inevitability of it all, 
and the scale of the loss of life. The numbers just get too large to get our heads around. Millions of people have died after contracting COVID-19 worldwide, and tens of millions more have been hospitalised. Some people continue to have severe complications long after contracting the illness. A significant burden has been left in lower-income countries, particularly since the rollout of the vaccines, which have been unequally distributed to wealthy nations. Shelton's fears in that interview have largely come true, but 15 months later, his career as a GP is essentially over. His contract with the medical practice was terminated, and he was investigated by the Medical Council for his views on the vaccine, which he shared in an unsolicited text to a patient. Without a practice, Shelton has increasingly turned his attention to NZDSOS. He has represented the group in public and, alongside Thornley, appeared as one of its members on The Counterspin Show. He also appears to have some control over what appears on the website. He told me he would post our correspondence there. It's harder to trace Shelton's journey into the rabbit hole. Unlike some others, he doesn't have an active online presence and rarely posts material under his own name. I asked whether he was comfortable with everything that had been posted. The JFK assassination theory, the claims of mass extinction and apartheid. He said, yes. We have been just too busy to pay attention to the public telegram channel, but we don't censor and the formal committee does not endorse everything that people post. There is a tremendous amount of work involved and more and more people joining and helping. We have an oversight committee, but occasionally things slip by us. He would not say who posted on the group's Telegram account. I was interested in the comparisons to 20th century dictators, the atrocities of Hitler, Pol Pot, Stalin and Mao, collectively responsible for tens of millions of deaths. These comparisons fly freely in groups opposing the COVID-19 vaccines. It's no longer adequate to merely object to or disagree with public health measures. Only claiming historic levels of oppression will suffice. Some NZDSOS members, Shelton says, see echoes today of those regimes, which he said only reached peak efficiency with the full knowledge and obedience of the citizens. To get to that point, Shelton says, required a lying, propagandised media, a currency or other economic or societal collapse. Then centralised control, a persecuted minority blamed for all society's ills, and, particularly in the communist regimes, you eliminate religion, control education, and inflict regular doses of terror and persecution to keep the citizens obedient. To better understand where he's coming from, it pays to look more closely at some of Shelton's views and where he sources information. NZDSOS as a whole regularly promotes an unofficial list of supposed vaccine deaths and injuries, which are collated by a Facebook group. NZDSOS has sent this list 
which currently counts more than 200 deaths, to medical authorities. Medsafe, in a reply to one of the group's letters, noted that some people listed had not been vaccinated and there wasn't enough information to confirm the existence of some others. I've written previously about how this list is the perfect recruitment tool. When so many people have been vaccinated, pointing out that some of them have since died, blaming the vaccine for it and demanding that a third party prove their wild speculation is wrong, is an impossible hurdle to jump. Even if the list was accurate and every single person on it died because of the vaccine, they didn't, so many people in New Zealand have been vaccinated that it would still represent a death rate hundreds of times lower than the most conservative estimates of COVID-19 itself. There would need to have been thousands of vaccine deaths in New Zealand for the vaccine to be more dangerous than COVID-19, and the weekly all-cause death numbers show this has simply not happened. Shelton, nevertheless, lists off some of these reports. Despite himself acknowledging they don't prove any link to the vaccine, he doesn't seem to harbour uncertainty. And we note not a single question from you about the many other deaths and injuries we are hosting and reporting to the government. Don't ask, don't tell, he told me. But be afraid. Proper and brave journalists are noticing. Sleep well, Charlie Brown. Another of Shelton's interests is the idea that the COVID-19 vaccines cause magnetism. A lengthy report, posted on the NZDSOS website and shared with various authorities and politicians, claims dozens of cases of magnetism in vaccinated people in New Zealand, based on videos and personal reports to NZDSOS. The report, to which Shelton and independent researchers, who he wouldn't name, contributed, argues that the vaccine secretly includes graphene oxide, or that some batches of vaccine are being contaminated with metals, or both. These videos became a phenomenon online, and are hard to evaluate. There's a long history of people claiming to be magnetic, when, in reality, they're just sticky, as most of us are. There are no metals in the published list of vaccine ingredients, and even if there was, the presence of a magnetic substance alone isn't enough to produce a magnetic field. In any case, the amount of metal that would be required to make something magnetic is more than could be delivered in a vaccine. I asked Shelton whether there was an effort to verify if the videos and testimony were legitimate, that it wasn't just people sticking things to their skin, a basic step any serious researcher using a scientific method would take. He didn't say, but said he'd visited one person and verified the magnetism himself. In a recent interview elsewhere, Shelton said that person had been vaccinated six months earlier. But he otherwise relied on plenty of compelling videos he was willing to share with the government. He told me I was seriously uninformed unless I watched a nearly three-hour video in which two retired German pathologists claim to have found nanochips, among other non-biological substances, in the blood of vaccinated people. 
There is no context for this video. The German Society for Pathology distanced itself from the men and said there was no scientific basis for their claims. Other than taking it at face value, as Shelton appears to have done, there's no way to verify its credibility. It bears reiterating. Vaccines have been safely administered to billions of people. The list of ingredients, which has been independently tested by regulators, is readily accessible. The blood of vaccinated people, alive and dead, has been examined. There is no plausible argument that they contain nanochips. Shelton gets to where he's going with this. The vaccine is truly hurting people, he says. But our amoral leaders show no interest, as it is just a means to an end. Biometric ID, the vaccine passport, as a tool for total control. As with the list of supposed vaccine deaths, Shelton did not believe it was his job to prove the group's claims were true. We believe this magnetism needs attention from MedSafe, he says. As do the databases of deaths and injuries we have repeatedly submitted on behalf of the New Zealand public. Like the magnetism report, it's not our job to prove anything. Surely that responsibility lies with regulatory agencies. It seems there is a pattern here. As of November 1st, some members of NZDSOS and other like-minded healthcare workers will need to have received their first vaccine dose. In response, there's been discussion about forming a parallel healthcare system for unvaccinated people. One example, based in Hamilton, cites Hefaka Putanga, a sovereignty declaration signed by numerous northern Māori chiefs in 1834 as the basis for an independent government with its own healthcare system. This, its promoters believe, allows it to operate outside government regulations. On Telegram, NZDSOS has directed people to supposed vaccine exemption cards from this group and links to its page on the NZDSOS website. The criteria for legitimate vaccine exemptions has yet to be announced. NZDSOS has also set up its own online clinic. When it was unveiled, the group said consultation with a nurse would be free and a doctor's consultation would cost $50, which has since been revised to $100. The clinic could help with vaccine exemptions, as well as general health matters, including vaccine injuries. The website has been updated to say it is overrun with bookings. Whether members of NZDSOS will be able to keep practising remains to be seen. Alana Ratner who is not practising, says that has given her the opportunity to be more vocal about her beliefs. There are thousands of doctors around the world who think as I do, she says. I just happen to be not working at the moment, so it's easier for me to speak out. Shelton says he has no regrets. Whatever happens, I will have a clear conscience. I suspect I will learn new things, and have more leisure time, he says about his future.
I will keep my knowledge and skills up for a time in the future when they might help, and feel optimistic for humanity, and especially that Māori and all people of the land will step forward to rescue our country. He alludes to upcoming legal challenges by the group, for which it is crowdfunding donations. Whenever you do a hit piece, he says, we get more visits and donations. Last month, on the Counterspin program, Shelton explained what he thought was motivating the people who disagreed with him, particularly his colleagues in the medical profession, a don't-ask-don't-tell psychology, as he described it. Being smart or being in a profession is no protection against the psychological surrender many people are facing, with the fear and the disempowerment and the lockups and the need to be part of a group that has a sense they vaguely know what's going on, he said. We're no better than anyone else. But I don't think we're the crazy ones. That was Still Down the COVID Rabbit Hole, on the long read from Stuff, written by Charlie Mitchell and read and produced by me, Michael Wright. This episode was mixed by Sam Scannell. Stuff's podcast director is Adam Dudding. If you listened via our website, you can hear this story and more like it on the Long Read podcast, available on all the usual platforms. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star rating and a review. It helps other listeners find us. Thanks for listening.